Welcome to the show, everyone. Still sloshing around in early career Harrison Ford, slowly making it to Ford's big hits one movie at a time. It's a journey here on The Ford Fiesta. I'm hokey religion skeptic Adam Witt. And I'm Paul of the Wild Preston. And if you're new to the show, don't worry. The show's new too. That's right. We have 50-some episodes of this show because, well, we're going to watch Harrison Ford movies anyway. Might as well report on it. Today's movie of, of choice continues Ford's Western phase, which stops after this and only picks up again if Gene Wilder and aliens are involved. Journey to Shiloh. And since we're new, please help us spread the word on the show by commenting on articles, videos, and more. Subscribe where you can, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and more. And then get ready for everything coming up on the show and all things we're up to on The Movie Guys by visiting themovieguys.net or follow us at The Movie Guys all over social media. You gotta get you some of that. It's here that we ask you to pretend not to know what Journey to Shiloh is about so we can give you our patented recap of the movie. But coming up first... What's new in the world of Harrison Ford? Well, it's sort of a lateral Harrison Ford story. They're making a series out of the Mosquito Coast. Get the and it's hell coming, out of here. It's coming to Apple TV <laughs> April 30th. And Ford isn't doing it, but they do have Justin Thoreau as the main character. Oh, God, his character's name escapes me now. But uh, that... That will continue, I guess, either tell this story or tell more of the story or an elongated version of the story. It looks, like, action-packed. Like, maybe they even missed an opportunity to get Harrison Ford more action-y in that movie back in the day. But, uh, yeah, this, they've, Mosquito Coast, the much, is it forgotten? I don't know. It's kind of like a sideline Harrison Ford adventure, but now we'll take the front and center uh, as a story now with Justin Thoreau. Well, so this is one of the movies I'm most excited to get back to for Harrison Ford because I haven't seen this movie since the theater. I don't, you probably haven't either. It's, it's not, if you're a Harrison Ford fan, you just don't pop on Mosquito Coast in the afternoon to just, you know, to, to have that on for the feels. But it's a, such a curiosity. It's one of the movies he's most proud of. And it's a fascinating little uh, story of this guy that takes his whole family out. I could see this absolutely being a series. And absolutely being relevant again. You know, a, a man sort of retreating from society that's gotten too out of hand. It's gotten too evil or negative and he needs to protect his family because that's certainly a case you could make today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Thoreau's oh, got, wow. this, got this cred now with something like The Leftovers, you know, where he can come in and do another essentially cable show, Apple TV Plus, and, and maybe make it ring. So we'll see. Oh, I love Justin Thoreau. I just, I love his style. I've loved him ever since I first saw him in uh, Mulholland Drive. And then, and then right after that, he wrote Iron Man 2. Not he wrote right Iron after. Man 2. Yeah, he wrote Iron Man 2 <laughs> and then wrote, and then the same year, wrote uh, um, Tropic Thunder. Yeah. And people, so I forget, just, people may forget that about him, but he's, he's, a, he's a double threat at least. Yeah. We'll see if he sings and dances. <laughs> and then as we've purported, Ford will be making uh, Indiana Jones 5, 
and we talk about it every week pretty much how we're excited about it but now they someone talked to sean patrick flannery if you remember played indiana yes! jones in the young indiana jones chronicles and yeah. he said he'd love to appear he said this oh he said man, man i can probably count on one hand the amount of people that wouldn't want to do something that george lucas originated being in a harrison ford film i mean that falls into the same Dexter category, meaning that he eventually appeared on Dexter, and people said, if they bring back Dexter, would you want to be on it? He's like, hell yeah. yeah. But having said that, I mean, to me, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. You know what I mean? I got They've got my 20 bucks at the theater every time they put one of those out. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Hey, I guess, yeah, I mean, we already had, it's kind of a, which was first, River Phoenix or Sean Patrick Flannery as young Indiana Jones? Uh, River Phoenix. River Phoenix, yeah. So it's yeah. A, so I guess uh, John Patrick Flannery, Flannery filled in where, of course, River Phoenix passed, so that he couldn't do it. So now, I mean, he wouldn't be young Indiana Jones anymore. He'd be like adult, but not old Indiana Jones. Yeah, I wonder what. Which Sean... is an awkward title for a television show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Indiana Jones Five is scheduled for July 29th, two thousand twenty-two. If COVID doesn't uh, kill the uh, production schedule, but they should be on it here got to be they, they got to be on at the middle of the, this year if they're going to do anything you know and the ford fiesta will be there to report on all of this we're going to keep this <laughs> yeah. going until indiana five indiana jones five for sure no matter how many topics we have to vamp just to keep going <laughs> until we get to indiana jones five and then we have a gigantic ford fiesta fiesta for that movie let's go back and cover those tv shows just to keep it going, because it's, it's only March or something. It doesn't know. Where's this episode of Bonanza? And as ever, we Google Harrison Ford News just to see what comes up. And here's something. Insidehook.com said, Why you need a Western-style belt like Harrison Ford? Turns out it livens up your underwhelming shirt and jeans. It's simple, authentic, and easy, especially when Ford pairs it with blazers and polos, making disparate styles into one cohesive outfit. That is correct. I guess there's nothing else to report on. Good research, <laughs> Paul. I love that there's not there's nothing to report on, uh, but also websites have got to write an article no matter what. And Harrison Ford being the most famous, our favorite star of all time, everybody's favorite star of all time. It's like, let's rope him into whatever topic I need to write on today. <laughs> so someone saw that. He, he's got a belt on that kind of has a authentic Western buckle and loop to it. And they said, oh, this picture from the 70s looks similar. This one from the 80s looks similar. It's his style. Article. We have article. Oh, right, right. I love it. <laughs> we have content. <laughs> and other big news, of course, and this also was a learning experience for me. Crackle has released its programming for March. Crackle's still around. Still it's a thing. still around. And on the streamer's war channel, Hanover Street will be available to viewers <gasps> to watch. And we'll Just... be talking about it in like four or five weeks, I guess. Oh, my God. So we'll get to watch that on Crackle. Convenient. Yes. And I wasn't aware that Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment now owns Crackle. So Crackle is now all sort of feel-good entertainment. You're not going to find, uh, you know... Uh, blue velvet on there Deadpool. <laughs> but, you, yeah. but you'll find Hanover Street because it's a you know it's a rah-rah war romance you know type of movie you know secretly and none of us think of uh, the, the behemoth that is chicken soup for the soul didn't know they were into production yeah uh one more quick reoccurring show segment before we get to the recap this date in Ford history February 26, 2009, Crossing Over is released, and if you don't know what that is, you're our kind of audience member. And Adam, you're that kind of audience member, right? Do you know Crossing Over? I've never heard of Crossing Over. 
I was a member of the, uh, and would still be today if they had, you know, theaters, the SAG Film Society, and they included it in their programming that year, so it was free tickets to take somebody and go check it out, so I did, and it's, you know, it's a pretty decent movie. It's a drama, but Crossing Over refers to the border, so uh, Ford's okay. a border cop in that one, and they have stories about the families, they have stories about the, the law enforcement, it's just kind of all these intertwined stories about the the border and how tumultuous it is and it's not bad well we'll have fun getting to that one i think there's some real 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 good scenes in it even though it's kind of uneven on the whole yeah so it's like a traffic it's like a various vignettes that take place like that are surround you know the the border yeah and ironically of course he turned down traffic if you remember and michael douglas took that role in traffic so later on he's like oh a border border movie and he comes on board for this one which of course didn't win oscars but he got to be in, in this type of movie eventually anyway You've mentioned that before. Maybe it is mostly the, the traffic is the big example of it because I think that's more widely known that he turned that that down. But you've mentioned other movies that he sort of made as a makeup for one that he turned down. I don't know if he turned down Crimson Tide, but now we have K-19, The Widowmaker. Right. He might he have turned didn't. down Crimson Tide. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, March 5th, 1979, The Empire Strikes Back begins filming. They've wasted no time just a couple of years after. Uh, I mean, they, they all knew Empire was coming, so couple years after Star Wars, they start making Empire. Together again, huh? I do remember a story from the making of book where the, it was so snowed in. They got all the cast and crew and everything there, and they were just completely snowed in to the hotel. So those shots of Luke uh, after he leaves the Wampa, who's kind of going over the hill and he falls and rolls, That's it was too cold to shoot because the film, the, the, the film would get brittle. It was so cold. You had to have heaters on that stuff. So they just uh, set up the camera in the back lobby of the hotel with it warm inside and and opened the window and shot. And, and they just sent Mark Hamill up to the ridge to roll down and do that shot. And that was the first shot, I believe, of Empire no Strikes kidding? Back. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> shot from the hotel. <laughs> Every time I see that shot, I think of that. I'm like, they're just sitting in the hotel shooting him. You know, all right, run out and do a do a shot for the biggest movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, every time you hear that about like the the what was the Clooney one that just came out, the Midnight Sky, and uh, the Revenant, it's like the, the things they go through to get these shots. I mean, it's crazy. And of course, in March fifth, two thousand fifteen, one of Adam's favorite things, Harrison Ford crashes his plane, landing at a Penmar golf course in Venice. Wow! And walks away like a champ. And- walks away he really flies he's really good at flying he really walks away from big accidents with airplanes that's it's the most harrison ford thing that ever happened that in star wars <laughs> imagine you just there with your pals like you know just golfing and then, and then poof, somebody call an ambulance <laughs> like, what oh my god <laughs> and you see this giant I love that he's flying a classic World War era 2 PT-22 airplane also I mean how cool is this guy Harrison Ford is as Harrison Ford as you could possibly get get off my plane but Paul that's not what we're here to talk about we're not here to journey to a golf course in Venice we are not here to journey to Oslo in Norway we are not journeying to the border of Mexico Paul what are we here to journey to well, we actually are journeying to the border of Mexico, but we're here for Journey to Shiloh. So what the hell is Journey to Shiloh? If you want to know, you can watch it on YouTube, streaming in extremely low resolution. But also, we're going to tell you with our Movie Guys recap. Let's do it. Uh, 
In Journey to Shia LaBeouf, seven young Texans in the Confederate Army during the American Civil War, the Concho County Comanches, journey to Shiloh, Virginia, where a major battle is about to take place. Along the way, they encounter many perilous adventures. The end! That's all that Wikipedia really has down is the plot, so... Tune in to the low-res perilous adventures on YouTube. Come on, Paul, we're better than that. We're journalists, first and foremost. Then, of course, phlebotomists, and, if time remaining, Maricopa County, Arizona, jail wardens. But, as journalists, we did our due diligence and watched this movie. And here's what happened. There were seven boys from Texas. There were seven boys from Texas. They rode off to fight a war. 1,000 miles to Richmond was where they headed for. They were wild and bold and reckless. Sons of the far frontier. Their lips had known no women, and their hearts had known no fear. But as John Lennon said, characters are what happens while movies are making other plans. So who were the over-enumerated seven? Well, there was Buck Burnett. Buck Burnett was their leader. Buck Burnett was their leader, the captain of this crew. The Indians, the Indians made, made him orphan at the age at of two. Age of two. Miller, Knowles Miller Knowles, Buck's saddle buddy, as steady as, as, the, sun. as the sun. He followed, he followed every, every order. order. He was the loyal one. Toto McLean was the quiet one, a man that you could trust. His blood of Texas water, his flesh of Texas dust. UB Bell was the gesture, making laughter was his aim. The war, the way he heard it, was just another game. But that's not really who Journey to Shiloh's about. If you've come here to hear about Harrison Ford, then you know that Journey to Shiloh is really about one cowboy in particular. Willie Bill. Now, Willie Bill. Willie Bill was Willie Bill was born in Pecos. Eighteen summers. Eighteen summers he has seen. He's old enough. He's old enough to soldier, but will he see nineteen? No. The young Texans set out to join General Hood's regiment in Richmond, Virginia. So that's Texas to Virginia on horses who definitely did not sign up for the. But it's not the destination that matters. What really matters is the bar fights, gambling, and prostitutes they met along the way. And the anti-war and human rights messages they meet along the way as well. Because like any good 1968 Civil War movie, Journey to Shiloh is about Vietnam and civil rights. As the kids discover that they've spent the first 18 to 20 years of their lives in 1860s Texas, but somehow didn't know it was racist, and they meet slaves for the first time. Some of whom who are perfectly happy with the job of forced labor at the end of a whip. Quicker than they can scrub up in the crick over yonder, they find themselves at a fancy Texas cotillion of whiteness, where the boys find that the South they're fighting for is perfectly happy to have poor Hicks fight the war to ensure the continuation of wealth, but wouldn't stoop to spit on them when they come face to face. But enough about all the wars that have ever occurred ever. The Pacifism Express starts its inevitable roll downhill as Buck sees the brutality of man gun down J.C., the first of many Concho County Comanches to meet their end on this journey, shot in a bar over a matter of 50 bucks when J.C. Sutton's fastest gun had met a faster one. And J.C. Sutton's fastest gun had met a faster one. But the great allegory backpack that is the Western is just getting started robbing these kids of their innocence, as doubt is cast in the glory of the Southern cause for the war, the continuation of slavery, when the Comanches turn a runaway slave into the authorities. The assumption that the slave would be returned to his life of luxury yachts and golf vacations is punctured when they later find him hung like 
uh, well, uh, like a slave in the 1800s. These kids are idiots. What can we say? They were educated in the Texas school system. Road trip. Texarkana continues with more vignettes of the lovable goofs' adventures on the way to war, including a night out at a belly dancing bar where they are again harassed by the locals who call them long hairs, echoing a popular 1968 hippie epithet. When the reputations of the dancers are besmirched by Confederate soldiers, the kids stand up for the women's rights the only way they know how, with a bar fight. Not only does Buck's face take a big hit, but so does his desire to give his life for the country when he meets a reason to live in the love of Gabrielle, the dancer with the heart of gold, who's finally met a man of high moral character. He'll come back for her, unless the war is super great when he gets there. In a tale as old as time, Buck makes time with a lady while his brothers sleep on the floor of a jail cell. Man's got to have his priorities. Gabriel sends Buck on his way with the traditional six-hour anniversary gift, oranges and garters. With a lifetime of experiences gathered in a week, the boys reach Pensacola where they finally sign up to be Confederate soldiers and meet Braxton Bragg with a voice as epic as his name. Bragg has left his life as a sandpaper taste tester to lead the Southern troops in a march to their deaths. Oh, I mean, uh, Shiloh, Virginia, as the Concho County Comanches realize they're not even fighting for Texas, but fighting in the mud and rain for some Virginia bullshit. After a clip from Walt Disney's Technicolor World of War, one by one, the brothers succumb to bullets, consumption, and bullets as the war takes its toll. It would not be the last time that Jan Michael Vincent would die, but a first for the rest of the cast. Each of the Comanches getting a 10-minute death scene. Except Harrison Ford, who dies off-screen. After delivering a new Ford record, four lines in this movie, I was hoping to see him get to act for the first time in his career. But how do they all die? Well, Miller Knowles, he Miller died, Knowles, a he died a bleeding from a bounty hunter's gun. gun. And, and Toto, Toto went, to went to glory beneath a blood-red sun. Yubi's laughter nevermore is heard. A mortar killed him dead. And Willie fell a running, a bullet in his head. Off screen! Alright, that, that is Journey to Shiloh. In case you didn't know what it was, now you do. We didn't know what it was, so we saw the movie. So I don't know who's better off, us or you? <laughs> Regardless, uh, it was made in 1968, so let's do a quick run of the numbers on that. That's appearances in four movies in two years for Harrison Ford. Right. Plus three TV shows. He was on The Virginian, Ironside, and The Mod Squad at the same time. By the way, I would oh. love to see Harrison Ford on Mod Squad. Yeah. I, we got to seek that out, even though we're not the TV guys. We got to look for that. <laughs> Maybe a Patreon episode if we ever get that set up. Oh, but that would be yeah. a great one to do. Yeah. Oh, my God. Harrison Ford TV appearances. I mean, Mod Squad, right? What was always the knock on the studio system? You know, because to me, it just seems great. They hire you, and then you're just in everything all the time. Like, how great is that? It is kind of cool, because they're, <laughs> they're cranking out. This is another sort of cranked out feeling-ish movie, although we found out from last week that appearances can be deceiving because that was apparently this lush spectacle movie that didn't come through but um yeah they crank this out and then they they slam all these actors in it so this is well this is this is universal now so harrison ford must be under a new contract correct that's right the, the previous it was, was columbia, columbia for three movies and they just started to slot him in slot him in you're the hippie in the car you're the you're the guy that says fire at uh in uh, time to kill ing maybe they looked at his part in his one line in those two movies and said, well, I think he's destined for bigger things. Somebody saw the potential. <laughs> Nobody's seeing the potential so far. That's, that's one thing about this movie is like, 
you've got a big magnificent seven style cast you know you got you got a big gang of people and when you're, you're picking your big gang of people for a magnificent seven or a dirty dozen you know you think of those two casts like you just slam some icons in there and uh there's two icons in this gang <laughs> well three jan michael vincent i guess <laughs> <laughs> and there's the te- you've hit us almost in the tagline which uh, according to imb says the unstoppable seven they came to fight in tattered buckskins and left in blazing glory Oh my God! It's Unstoppable fantastic. Seven. You're right. It's like, ooh, that was a hit. Uh, how, can uh-huh. we, how can we get in on that? Yeah, but as as the movie goes on, you're like, well, first of all, of course, Harrison Ford has more lines than he's had in any movie we've watched. True. Willie Bill, how far you reckon we made today? Uh, 35, 40 miles. Did you find it more exciting because we could watch look for Harrison Ford in every frame in this one? He just kept not dying. So that was exciting. I'm like, well, yeah. he's got to be done here because he's a support. Nope, still going. I was like, okay. Uh, at, at, at the end, they have all these death scenes. Everybody gets a death scene. Everybody gets one. And the full on, ah, I see the light. I'm yeah. seeing the light. Oh my God. Tell my, tell my girl that I love her. Like everybody gets that full on last, uh, 10 minutes of a last gasp Shakespeare play death. And after about two or three of those, I was like, oh, are we going to get a Harrison Ford death scene? I mean, talk about a first. And immediately in my head, because I'm like, I know, I'm like, this, we are four movies into this fest, and no, he's going to die off screen. I called it, and sure enough, there's like, after after three long death scenes, someone comes up and goes, oh yeah, and Willie Bill also died. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took a bullet in the face, and now he's done. I'm like, wait, 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 what? Yeah, and it really just brought in Ford, it seems like, for... Uh, the movie needed a no-nonsense element, right? You had all the guys like, yeah, we're standing up for the army. Yeah, we are. And we're going to stand up for the Confederates. We're going to fight the unions. That's right. And we're going to come from Texas. We're going to show everybody what Texas is all about. And in the background, Harrison's just always with a line or two like, who are these guys? Somebody coming. Like, if it had to turn from, hey, we're having fun out here, it would always be him who kind of comes in with, He's uh, gonna be mean when he wakes up, Buck. The rest of them all have major malfunctions, you know. There's the guy that's you know, clearly the, the um, you know, the loose cannon. Oh, the loose cannon announces himself so quickly. That's JC, right? I don't need your rules. Yes. I'll go over there. I'm going to go gamble. Oh, he's going to lose all his money. I'm going to go hang out with the prostitutes. Oh, they're going to steal all his money. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know who all these characters are because there is a glorious opening song. Oh, my That lays God. out who everybody is. Not even cleverly. It's just like, here's the IMDB page. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, like, it just describes everybody. So you know what's going on. And I guess that, th- thanks, I guess that helps. Oh, the song. It names each one of them off, what their deal is, how cool each one of them is. He's the guy that doesn't talk much. I'm doing it in the Blazing Saddles. Well, That's but, here's, but here's what it, here's what you should be mimicking, because this is what somebody must have done over at Universal and said, guys, I just noticed Yellow Rose of Texas is royalty free. Yes! What? So they went and they got the Yellow Rose of Texas, added their own lyrics to describe all the characters, and uh, they have a, a, a hit on their hands? I they have a hit with me. I mean, I just started yeah, smiling so much. And, I mean, can you imagine how many movies would be great if they opened up with this complete song and a montage of the characters? Imagine the Godfather family, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he, Michael, he was the youngest. And he, like, yeah, it's great. There's Fredo, Fredo. the <laughs> dumb one. He'll betray us all. Oh, my God. Yeah, it'd be so great. It just, yeah. it made me so happy. Now, however, I do have to say, like, 
<sighs> what is this movie in a way? Because it's shot once again, like a Brady Bunch episode, right? From the cinematographer of, you know, Bonanza, uh, as opposed to the cinematographer of Once Upon a Time in the West, you know? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Well, you have a director, William Hale, who's mostly a TV guy. Now, now a TV guy is Alan Taylor, and he can make a Terminator right. movie, or, or like the Russos, I think, and yeah. they're making Marvel films. Yeah, now, very different. Now a, but then a TV guy directed Kojak, I think is one of his credits, <laughs> and he makes a Western that looks like Kojak. <laughs> <laughs> but you know Richard Donner was one of those guys. He was a Kojak director that ended up doing uh, Superman. Oh, that's true. So I guess it can happen. You could call this movie outside of Journey to Shiloh, like, wandering right the movie right it's a road trip <laughs> a movie. Lot of wa- yeah they go from here to there and then things are there seems to be a goal but along the way it's whatever the hell they run yeah. into this town that town this girl this bunch these soldiers so it's it's moseying the movie moseying yeah amblin uh did you did you feel <laughs> the freedom of that i i did enjoy that once i sunk into the rhythm of this i was like oh you don't see a lot of westerns like this you don't see a lot of movies like this actually where it's just look we're gonna go from here to there you know the classic road trip movie and along the way all the things that happen you know but i have to also admit and i don't know if i can't remember if, i think cold mountain was trying to get me to do this too i have trouble caring about scumbag confederate soldiers right i do now and i do in in charlottesville or at the Capitol. Yeah. Sorry. Right. <laughs> it's just what I... Well, but... It's but, just a... It's a rough call. But much like a time for killing, to kill, a, a time to kill for, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an anti-war movie. It, and, and there's a lot of anti-war stuff in it. This is a coming-of-age thing, so they see that the slave gets hung, they see the real brutality of war, and they see all this on their way to join the military. They lose faith in the war... In the journey that they're going, I mean, I, I, a, that's kind of a cool way to tell this story. They're losing their faith, and then by the time they get there, then the, when the war becomes real, and it ain't even nearly as glamorous as they thought it was going to be, it, it becomes the real thing. You know, mud and rain and all the platoon stuff. <laughs> but uh, it was it was just amazing how I thought just how naive these young men were. Like they really hadn't seen any of this. Right. They just heard about heard about the North and like it. I hate to say it, but it's kind of like today. It's like they heard a thing. And like, we're all angry now. Yeah. Like, wait, did you explore what the deal is? Uh, unfortunately, you know, on the way to the Capitol, people didn't have their uh, yeah. their, their reckoning uh, with what's really going on. Epiphany of what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Why am I carrying exactly. a flag with an 80 celebrity's name on it? <laughs> but another sort of social uh, social element to this you could bring up is we just saw a time for the kill to happen, mm-hmm. and, and that was uh, we made a joke about the Beck. It failed the Bechtel test. Right. This fails huge. <laughs> like there's just no women doing anything other than being in of service to men and not talking about themselves or anything other than men yeah all the time. Oh man! And there's like two women I think too, and they they both like are all fawning over the guys. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, of course, because he has to meet his uh, his lady in the journey on the way. The, the reason to. To live in in the battle, uh, yeah. He meets right. his lady. They fall in love uh, while the kids are out journeying, and uh, that's the closest he comes to being passionate, though. Uh, James Conn's Buck Burnett is a very passive protagonist. A lot of times, he's like, "Well, what's happening here? I know well, we're going up to that ridge. I reckon I'd go along with you. Yeah. Okay. And now they, we don't go to the ridge. They said we're going to be aligning ourselves with horrible people. Well, I guess so. And we should like <laughs> seem very, very casual. Yeah, he's as dispassionate he's as you would imagine pat- a uh, Buck Burnett would be. Watch your buck. 
<laughs> but uh, yes. by the way, love Brock Burnett on SNL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a he's a cold fish in this movie. I mean, is he is this a good performance or a bad performance? I mean, it's just a there. It's just performance. there, isn't it? It's really like the character's just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't really carry you along. Like the premise carries me along, but he certainly doesn't. And it doesn't help that his Magnificent Seven is kind of the Magnificent Three of actors I care about. <laughs> Even so, watching it, it's like when you're doing a Magnificent Seven, you got a lot of pressure on you, you know? The Magnificent Seven w- wasn't just Steve McQueen and Yul Brynner. And so, so many times throughout this movie, I would see these other characters and get a shade of who they should be. I, Bruce Dern should have been one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Peter Fonda should have been one of those soldiers. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have a really perfect cast for this sort of thing. And you well, know, then you have to get Frankenheimer or somebody to direct it. And then you'd have a better movie. Yeah, well, that's what's upsetting, too, is that, uh, you know, Harrison Ford is wallpaper in this movie. Uh, he has five, six lines, which is great. And I believe he punches a guy in uh there i mean there's fights yeah, yeah i'm sure you we'll have to re-explore that, i will have yeah i have to examine these bar fights like the zapruder tape and see uh exactly if how many punches harrison ford gets in now we have a tally going why did we not write this down well I, I swear i saw one harrison ford punch but there's a couple times where buck looks like harrison ford from behind they only have a many times slightly different yeah, especially hat. in yeah. the Especially in a low-res version of the movie we saw. Right. <laughs> it's good to tell what the hell is going on. But the first so thing that happens in this movie is a bar fight, and that's so exhilarating. Like, the, the, immediately, as soon as that song is done, and... Dennis Moore, Dennis Moore, dum, 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 the night. The Concho County Comanches, uh, they get right into a bar fight. It's a rip-roaring good time with these kids. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why that fight happened. Why did that fight happen? Because they were all keyed up and, you know, it's like they just I don't remember why that happened. But yeah, I don't recall there being a good reason for it, but not that you need one. But I will tell you this, the shot of them entering that saloon, they kind of get off their horses and there's a sort of wide shot of them in the lower half of the screen just kind of going into the saloon is in a montage for the Six Points, Texas filming area of Universal Studios Hollywood. Every time you see the tour, they show, here's a clip of stuff that was shot here. And you see John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart and Kirk Douglas. And that clip, I'm like, wait a minute, if you're going to show that clip, you got to include Harrison Ford. So uh, here, I never knew I was watching a clip from that movie a lot because I've been on the Universal oh, Tour wow. dozens of times. But there's that but you have to include i would go through and re-edit you gotta show them going into the saloon so you get the big shot of the set but then include it just a quick shot of harrison ford eating the apple or whatever he's doing right. just to show that he was he was a part of oh, it. oh yeah you know? that's so funny they put a clip yeah. from this movie and didn't showcase harrison ford mm, yeah like this is a classic no, or movie. james Conn. or james they're all Conn. from the back yeah. walking into the bar so i mean i guess wow. the set is the star in that shot uh, but you should have just maybe included yeah. and speaking of sets i mean outside of the universal studios they the imdb says it was filmed in agora and thousand oaks california i mean can that be it yes because it was uh on on the way to virginia they they found the path that avoids monument valley <laughs> like that's oh, a shortcut it avoids monument <laughs> valley sure it looks a little bit like sherman oaks <laughs> <laughs> but they come across a plantation in one scene. I'm like, okay, where the heck is that out in the West Valley? But I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> but that is how that that is travels. how they get in all of the you know the the coming of age part of this movie where the kids meet their first runaway slave. They're going to fight in the Confeder- mm-hmm. Confederacy, and to make that journey, they have to come across what the war is actually about, and they meet a slave, and they're and that's yeah, the first I mean, slave they've any of them have ever met. 
Now, Harrison Ford is 18 in this, according to the song. He's 18, but will he see 19 was the story, I think, was his lyric. He's 25 in real life at the time. Even 18 years, you'd think you'd know what slaves are all about. It's very I guess until they come face to face with it. But yeah, I suppose so. that is the interesting coming of age part of it, the politics that gets in there. And standing up for a woman, and the woman says, nobody's ever stood up for me again. So they get all that in there, in the corners. It's kind of makes it a little more worthwhile of a journey. Yeah, and that brings up Brenda Scott. She was a looker. Right. The, the Gabrielle, the girl in that. Um, and James Gammon, you get a brief James Gammon in there as one of the Confederate soldiers before his voice got all like this as the manager in Major League. Oh, that um, guy? So that guy was there for, for a split second. He got hit in the head and when uh, James Conn stole the horse. I'm going to have to put you on a hold. I got a guy on the other line about a pair of white walls. I saw him on stage in Chicago at Steppenwolf doing a show. I mean, that's his thing being like sounding like this um, yeah i did that asshole there's one of them he's in silverado talking like that but um uh, another interesting credit of course bud westmore showed up as the makeup designer he of course is famous for designing the creature from the black Lagoon. Oh. so not much makeup here but certainly he's up for the task of making people look bloody and dirty and all that other stuff wow so that was kind of a high end i thought uh, i mean the westmore family now they're just a huge iconic entity in the world of uh, film and TV makeup. So. Hmm. And he showed up in this. Wow. So there you go. Well, I, I noticed, I thought at first uh, the name Noah Beery is a famous character actor. Uh, Noah Beery was Rock Jim Rockford's dad in the Rockford Okay. So that was his big claim to fame. Although you look at his credits, there's like a 200 of them. He's... But I didn't know who John Doucette was. It was Braxton Bragg, but that voice. You learn to say yes, sir, and no, so when addressed by an officer. Is that clear? It's almost like the, the Union General at the opening of uh, My Time to Kill, or whatever the last movie was. Yeah. He did the same thing when he was barking out orders to kill the... Yeah, get all the, these men over here. You get all these men over here. All right, men. <laughs> so for being around longer in this film than the previous ones, let's look at the Harrison Ford list of essentials. Okay. Did Harrison Ford have righteous anger? No. no. It was more of a silent uh, righteousness. Yeah. Uh, does he point? Not that I'm aware of. No. Smile or charm? He was only smiling when they gave him money in Vicksburg to go find a hooker. Somebody coming. Which makes sense. Does he shout or growl? Not really. Just no. always, again, these are all very sensitive, low-key guys. Well, not all of them. But he's like, the lowest the key. Guys, he's the lowest. Absolutely. They cast him well in that respect. Yeah. And does he hit a guy and does he get hit? Well, we got to do the stats We're on that. going to have to. Before this episode is over, we'll have, we'll have those. So then... How Harrison Ford is he? In this? Can, we, uh, can we answer which Harrison Ford is he first? Because did you have thoughts? That always leads to the percentage. Oh, okay, so okay. How? So how? Who does he remind you of elsewhere in his career? Often leads to coming up with the percentage. Oh, you didn't? Okay, it's regarding Henry. <laughs> really? Yeah, post bullet. <laughs> so, okay, soft so spoken, Her a little sl slower of the brothers. Shoot a guy in the head, and he immediately acts like he's from Texas. <laughs> That's what you're saying. <laughs> Just that sort of innocence. He's very innocent in this movie. Yeah, yeah. he was just always looking at James Conn going, is that right? Is that right, Buck? <laughs> <laughs> like, that truth, Buck? And then I couldn't believe, I did, was not expecting that the movie would close with the song, another version of the song, telling you about how they all died. With the same shots as previously, but now with an American flag superimposed to show you their... And it's like, got Rebreather. a bullet in the head. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like at the end of like American Graffiti where they put what happened to all the people or the end of Animal House, <laughs> yeah. but Senator Bukowski. Yeah, but sung. 
Michael became oh, yeah. the Don and ran the family. <laughs> and Fredo was dead in a boat in the middle of Lake Pichiducci or whatever. Then came Andy Garcia. <laughs> yeah. He was conceived behind that door. I think he's regarding Henry Harrison Ford. But that is not the most Harrison Ford you can be. Regarding Henry is not very Harrison Ford at all as the Harrison Ford we think of when you, you say that and something pops in your head. Yeah, he, he was laconic and moody and sort of stewing in a in a cool Harrison Ford vibe, but he's got to take charge to be real Harrison Ford. He's got to punch Jack Lemmon or something, right? So I mean, look, look at... <laughs> tell the guys to fire! Yeah, you know, here he, look how authoritative so he back. was. Yeah. yeah, that was the amazing thing about the, the last two movies is he's so Harrison Ford in such a short amount of time, it's impressive. And in this one, you you just get lines that are obviously in his voice. Although I'll give it 10 extra percent. There's a shot, and I wrote down the time code, uh, where he leans against the stagecoach. Yeah, and th- I remember that, that shot. mother scratcher can lean, right? <laughs> Everyone else is sort of fumfering for an iconic pose, and he just lays it. Oh, because yeah. he's Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. So, you know, I'll give him, I'll give him 10% Harrison Ford for that lean, or 15% Harrison Ford, but that's about it. I might do that, um, but I'll give him 50%. Or I'll give him 45%, give him the extra 10 that notches him over halfway for me. Maybe it's like 55% okay. Harrison Ford. If he had to, um, you know, there's that classic story he always tells about, like the studios had told Harrison Ford, you're not going to make it. Now you look at Tony Curtis bagging groceries, and you say to yourself, and, yeah. and he'd say, that's the movie star. And Harrison Ford said, I thought you were supposed to think he's a, bo- a grocery yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That without having to do much and still looking kind of like a movie star, that's I think he's always going to get a high percentage from me, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah. also, he's not way off base here. He's not being, uh, you know, a, a pharmacist. <laughs> he's still a cowboy. He's still, you know, yeah, still got a gun. Hey, he's wearing buckskins. He's riding a horse. This is the first time we ever see him ride a horse. It won't be the last. That's That's pretty Harrison Ford. And, of course... Han Solo was always the cowboy of Star Wars, so here he's a cowboy this whole movie. You're just you're just raising your percentage number. The I more am. You talk. I am. I think I'm up near you. I'm still. I'm still stick around. Forty five percent Harrison Ford, maybe fifty. I'll go fifty. Fifty percent Harrison Ford. And now let's get on to the Harrison Ford punch count. Okay, after taking a little time off, we went back and watched the opening because it's free of Journey to Shiloh on YouTube, and it turns out Harrison Ford did not punch anybody. Zero punches. Zero. Point zero. He has punched Jack Lemon more than any antagonist in this entire movie with a lot of bar fights. This movie has a lot of bar fights and zero punches from Harrison Ford. Very frustrating. Yeah, and of course, the time to killing had that big melee with the Confederates and the Union soldiers. Still didn't punch anybody. Zero there punches. So the ongoing total remains at for four, mo- four <laughs> movies, right? The first four movies. Uh-huh. One. One. And it's Jack Lemon still. Five. Obviously, you would not call this a Harrison Ford movie. That is what's fun about what we're doing here is seeing Harrison Ford, the actual journey his he took for all these roles. But in each one of these movies, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see Harrison Ford. In <laughs> I can't wait to see Harrison Ford in Journey to Shiloh. <laughs> but then at the beginning of the last few movies, uh, as soon as I hit play, and I'm not seeing Harrison Ford yet, of course. <laughs> as soon as I hit play, 
each time we do this, like this time I'm like, oh, but hey, free James Caan movie. Like I didn't even think I'm like, I'm going to watch that James Caan movie. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been the fun thing on each one of these is like, uh, all right, let's let's see what this is. Oh, hey, free Jack Lemmon movie. (laughs) Well, that reminds me of a line of dialogue from the movie. Ain't no harm in looking at a pretty girl. Iconic. Iconic. Did they did they learn nothing from a time for killing? <laughs> anyway, that's uh, another movie down 50 plus to go here on the Ford Fiesta podcast. Come back three times a month for a new episode. And between episodes, don't forget to follow us at, at the Movie Guys everywhere on social media. And you can get this show and more at Apple Podcasts and of course themovieguys.net. We post all of our reviews and other antics. Um, now Ford was cut out of Zabriskie Point, so we're skipping that. Although I might watch that personally. <laughs> uh, yeah, there might be. A, they claim there's a shot of him, mm. but I mean, that doesn't make But it's a legendary movie. Podcast. Yeah, true. Paul, do you want to go to the end of your life without seeing Zabriskie Point? No. I guess it's a right? good point. That's a solid point. So anyway, we're likely we're going to skip that. Maybe we'll do that for a Patreon. Getting out of Westerns, and we're getting into Getting Straight. And 1970 Elliot Gould drama. Hey, free Elliot Gould movie. Right? Yeah. So, and he's in... <laughs> He's in high mustache mode. (laughs) Well, that's our show. Two movie guys from Chicago who now live in L.A. are watching every movie with the guy from Ender's Game. Today was Journey to Shiloh about the Civil War. And after they watch this one, they'll watch about 50 more. In Shiloh, Ford played Willie Bill, who wrote tall and hard and lean. But they couldn't have paid Ford much back then, cause he died off screen. This movie's like the Wild Bunch, except a slower pace. It's like that movie Glory, but without a take on race. We've done all the jokes we can do, all that we could create. So screw this movie, see you next week when we cover Getting Straight. I understand its power now.